following podcast is recorded and produced by Emerge, a media creators co-op, in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Double Fist Punch Podcast, the only podcast where we teach you how to fight. Dun, 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 um, We're back. But actually not very much uh, fighting in these two episodes. No, not really. Um, because they're, they're both <laughs> basically just... Uh, well, they're, they're ref, uh, introspective episodes, yes. I guess you would, what you would call sure. it. Uh, the first episode up is the Corbin, Corbomite <clears throat> Maneuver. Cor- Corbomite? The Corbomite. Corbomite. Yes. Not yeah. a real thing. Yes, no, not and a real thing. And he uses it twice. That lady goes to that well a couple times. Yeah, yeah. They, <clears throat> he um, very much made that one up on the spot. Yeah. So I guess we'll start with the... Uh, yeah, go ahead and start with the description. Description on the back. Back so we still got box. some VHSs that are helping us out. While on a star charting mission, the Enterprise encounters a radioactive <clears throat> cube. When Kirk is forced to destroy it, an, orm- an enormous ship appears, c- commanded by the ominous Bolak. Uh, Bollocks. Clint Howard later starred in Rock and Roll High School. That's rock and Roll, Rock and Roll the High School. Younger brother of Ron <clears throat> Howard. Yes. Interesting. And he wasn't handsome as a child? And he never got any more handsome. He looks the same. That guy looks exactly the same as a little kid as he does as yeah. an adult. W- was he a kid at that point? He was a baby. But oh, he's okay. the kid. He's the kid at the end. Oh, yeah. I, I figured he, that. He's I, drinking I figured grapefruit he, juice. He might have had, like, that um, one of those, like, conditions where you nope. just don't age. He's just an unattractive man. Just like, so he's just a child. And actually, he's episode. been in Star Trek several <laughs> times. He's been in Star Trek multiple times. Like, he's played... Uh, uh, he's kind of one of the, the actor, the go-to actor that they've, he's been in every show. Um, I, not every show. I, I, I'm saying that wrong, but like, he's been in multiple shows. He's been, I think in next generation, he was in deep space nine. He was in Picard. Um, oh dear. um, he's, he, he, he he's as, yeah, not. he's, if you, Ron Howard, uh, Clint Howard's been in all of Ron Howard's movies too. So if you go back and watch all the Ron Howard movies, he's in all those movies as well. So Although you can honestly, see him in Solo. Yeah, yeah. he's in Solo. Oh, yeah, because because um, his his niece directs um, directs some of those. Because uh, Ron Howard's daughter directs some stuff too, so I think he's in something that she had directed too. So. Yeah, honestly, nepotism, man. Well, uh, honestly, looking like Clint Howard is like better for your career than yeah. looking average. Yeah. To be <laughs> so now that I beat up on Clint Howard because I'm yeah. so damn good looking. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good episode. So oh, yeah. before we even get into this, this is something I want to mention. Why? Because this is an episode that was actually filmed third. Yeah. This was, was act, I don't know. Did you look that up? Did yeah. Did you notice that? Directly after the first two pilots. But the like the special effects weren't done. So they mm. said they had to move it later in the episode. So you can notice that like the costumes seem like goofy. Like I think Spock's got a turtleneck on yeah. instead of like the regular black color like your shirt is. Um, and I think Uhura's in gold. She's still in gold. Um, they still thought that Sulu was going to be like a mathematician or something, so he's not the. I don't think uh, he's the. I don't think he's even the helmsman yet, right? Um, he's sitting. Uh, oh no, he is the yeah. helmsman. There's a, there's another episode where he wasn't the helmsman yet because they thought, well, we'll have a physicist, and we're like, we don't need a physicist. Well, it's like, it's weird. I noticed like. Up until this point, <clears throat> Sulu's really only been the helmsman like twice. Right. Other than that, it's like never him, which shocks me because I only People know just him assume as like that the he's main gonna, helmsman. Right. Exactly. So it's kind of shocking to be I like he was always, he's not. No, he, he starts off. If you want the mathematics of it, oh my! Like he's the uh, physicist in the first episode, and that was the plan for him to be like kind of a sciencey guy. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, "Well, we we need we need a guy in, in the helm." And it was a practical thing, too, because if there's a shot where he goes like this, where it's his back, and he looks over his shoulder like this, 
That shot gets reused in yeah. about 12 episodes. <laughs> they reuse that shot like multiple times over the years. Um, just as filler. Like, oh, my God, we need a thing or somebody forgot to film something. Oh, you're right. You're, he's definitely the helmsman in this one because he's doing the go. He's doing a go down. You know, like that whole thing where he's in there and he's trying to help out. He's trying to help out Bailey a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think actually Bailey was the helmsman in this episode because he's like, the navigator. Oh, navigator. It's the helmsman right. and the navigator. Right. Right. I forgot. They, yeah. They don't really have it. Even tech. though the buttons don't make any ship out, make any them on the, on this show, <laughs> on this, the, the continuity of where stuff gets fixed doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It doesn't. Like at one point, Ahura, and I think then in the, in another episode, is sitting at the nav station, but she's like using her communication. She's she should be getting up and running over to her station, but she doesn't. She does it from there. One time, Spock's gonna be fixing in another episode. Spock's fixing the phasers from yeah. underneath his station. It's like, well, wait, does everything like doesn't he make any sense? Yeah. Like they they're like. Kirk's buttons. I don't even know what Kirk's buttons on his chair do. Like uh-huh. there, there's so many different things that happen with his chair. Again, that, you know, I know that at least one button is like shipwide comms. Yes, uh-huh. that makes sense. That one makes yeah. sense to me. But then in, in an upcoming episode when he goes on trial, we'll get to that, of course, where it's like he can jettison a pod from his from his thing, which doesn't make any sense too. So I don't know. Like it's, I guess yeah. it's like an app. The chair is like a really good app you can do everything from. It's like your iPhone. Yeah, so. I think it, at least once he's. I think at least once he's fired phasers by pushing the button on there. <laughs> right, right, I just realized right. that my comment went completely unnoticed because I had my mic okay. turned down. <laughs> it's okay. We probably heard you in the background. All so. right, let's get to it. Yeah. This I like this episode a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I especially, did you watch it with the newer versions of the special effects? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, oh, so, yeah. see, I remember watching it where it's just literally just a bunch <laughs> of light bulbs. And, and, um, and the phasers weren't done yet, so they do, like, a weird, like, light thing that they do. And um, I love the grain. I, I love the way this episode is shot. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, they just don't shoot TV like this anymore. Like, it's all Steadicam and wide shots and, you know, all that stuff. Where I just love this style of way f- film television was filmed in this era with cool lighting and zoom-ins, like, manually taking a guy and, like, moving a camera. And I just, I like a lot of this. I like the, the early relationship between Spock and McCoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spock and, and Kirk in this episode. Um you know, Kirk's down in the in it and getting a physical. I just like like kind of the 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 beginning of the way all this stuff starts to go in the show. Yeah, I, I like I like the music choices for this episode. To me, like I I just like like I like that it's like we get we get the spinning cube right, which yep. definitely didn't inspire the later Windows uh, screensaver, right? <laughs> I never thought of that, like, but that's great. The thing looks identical to that's the, pretty funny. To the I cube. never thought of that. Like, I never thought of um, that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I, I mean, I wish like the the wiki actually told told us how they actually did that cube because the cube is very interesting looking. Like, right. I, I assume they just put like a bunch of color like uh, colored um, film and then put a light inside of it and then yeah, just, just spun it. Just yeah, spun it. Um, which. I, I, speaking of the cube, like I like how, like the the writing of this episode is fantastic. Like it's actually like the first time I watched it, on the rewatch, I assumed it was a, like a much later episode because, like, in my opinion, the writing has kind of like increased in quality as we've like gone through the well, except for Mary, and <laughs> has increased in quality as we've been going. Um, it's it's very. They really let us, as the audience, wonder what the heck is going on. Right. Which I appreciate. Like, Yeah, there isn't, like, a captain's log. We didn't know it at the time, but these guys really weren't that bad. Like, they don't, you know. Um, yeah, like, it's, it's – he's kind of out of his – Kirk's – this is that out cool I like about this because Kirk's kind of – he knows this is kind of tough. Like, he's got to try to decide, like, if he should move forward, should he put everybody's lives at risk. He knows the mission. Um, I do. I do like you can. The one reason I kind of realized that this must have been an earlier episode from when it even aired is that because Yeoman Rand like brings him a salad or something because he's got to like lose weight or something because <laughs> it's physical. So he's eating salads in the future, whatever. 
and she comes in and he says, when I get my hands on whoever that assigned me a female yeoman, mm-hmm. um, that only makes sense if it's like one of the first times we've seen her. Yeah. It shouldn't be like seven episodes in. And she's obviously not around very long because unfortunately the actress had some alcohol problems and they ended up firing her. Um, but then like McCoy makes the weird like, oh, don't you trust yourself? Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is before the sexual harassment lawsuits of the, you know, they didn't have that in the 1960s. So it's it's um, but it, you can kind of like little things like that. And but I do like that scene. Th- there is a great there's a great line. McCoy has the best line, one of the best lines in Star Trek when he's like, he does like, you know, there's a billion possibilities. Don't destroy the one named Kirk. Mm-hmm. And I just, again, talking about writing, I just love that early. That's, I think, why people fell in love with this show is because of those types of character interactions. I think that holds up today. That's why I think the show still, granted, it's cheesy special effects and bad mm-hmm. puppets and stuff, but I think the show holds up because of great acting and great characterizations. Yeah, like, I th- I think in that same scene, Kirk is even just like, you know, when when McCoy's like, well, don't you trust yourself? Kirk's just like, look, I got a lady. Her name's the Enterprise, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Which, which he said, er- well, chronologically in terms of air right. date, he said earlier than that, but right. I guess this would be the first time. Yeah, because it comes out during, in, during uh, 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 you know, what's it called? Uh, naked time where, yeah. he, uh, where he's like, you know, you know, I gotta love this sh- my ship. You know, <laughs> I know why they call her she. You know, like, um, but I, I do, I love, I love that he's this brash young guy, and he's really kind of wondering, you know, like very, very, very tentatively, um, you know, can I do this? But he just does, like, and that's, I think, that's why people like Captain Kirk. Yeah, and he also yeah. like acknowledges the fact that, like, he is still a human being with, right. like you know desires and stuff like that right like which i I don't i don't think picard has ever 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 said that about any of his crew except for probably uh beverly but that's much later on later in the later in the seasons later in next generation they do get it he gets a little bit more humanized but in the beginning he's i am captain jean-luc picard and 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 he's like it's by design that he's just like Mm -hmm purposely very different and not we've talked about that before that he's just the opposite of kirk in so many ways that he's all about diplomacy and everything um but i i like that he you know like what he's trying to do in this episode like he's you know he's got this young guy bailey that he sees a young version of himself and he's probably brought him along too quick and there's that going on and then i i like the interactions with spock and you know we get some cool scotty stuff i just i like this i and overall i do like this episode because like it seems like it's, it's the first time they're really we see them really tested the mm-hmm. ship is tested in terms of what they can do and um and i love that scene when when the fasarius or whatever it is shows up oh yeah that's... it's so good it is just so good like that music bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and it's just this little tiny and you, you realize like you think of the enterprise as being big and then this freaking thing yeah, that's like, just so it's like the death star shows up which is pretty cool like you know like essentially it's like in many ways it's the it's like a small moon you know, like it's a huge ass thing and and we haven't seen that in star trek yet mm-hmm. obviously it's very early but it's like early on they decided that they're not the most powerful mm-hmm. beings in the universe and i've always liked that about star trek right that you know like we're in 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 star wars so to speak they really are kind of like the empire is the they're the shit right they're the they're nobody you know me and we got some weird stuff going out in the forest but the empire is freaking powerful but also they're not like undefeatable you know like it's not like it's not like the the difference between the q continuum and the um and like the federation right the rebel alliance has a chance against them you know but also like there are definitely multiple superior beings in yeah. the universe, races, uh, the Organians. Like, there's so many races where it's not just about Kirk. Kirk has to, like, his humanity, and, and he's out there promoting, like, humans are all right. Like, yeah, we got a terrible past, but, like, we're going we're gonna to be all yeah. right. Give us a shot. And, and I like that, 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 that that's what they're doing. Like, that's kind of what Star Trek's kind of about, at least in yeah. this, this jet section of it. And also, like this, this episode really touches on like the fact that like these these powerful beings. You, I don't think 
thus far as we've gone through, any of the um, villains of the stories right. have been irrational. Right. Like it's, and that's kind of like it. It kind of hints us towards that direction because like. Right. Everything about this interaction at first seems irrational, right? Like this right. thing, this thing shows up. It's um, you know, it only starts uh, transmitting radiation when they try to get away from it. Right. So like, like if if this was an irrational situation, like why would this thing try to kill them if they're trying to get away from it? Right. Because it's later revealed that it was all part of Bullock's test. He wanted to see, like, if they were, what their true intentions were, and, and, and I like that. Um, I, I like, I like that, there's, that there's stress mm -hmm. in this situation, that nobody, I mean, you know, Got George Bailey over here. Ah, you know, <laughs> whenever that guy ever acts, I think of George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. Ah, you know, you know, like Uncle Billy, where's the money? You know, like, what you do with the money, Uncle Billy? And because he's over, really, oh, he's starting a countdown. Like we're out any robots. Like the guy's like he's freaking out. Like everybody's like, you don't see that. Like everybody's just like, ah, just go. Yeah, well, we're probably gonna die, but whatever, we'll be okay. Like I mean, you do get you know, Scotty's sweating a little bit in the background, and they're all getting nervous and you know in the later seasons we have our hero where she says things like i'm afraid captain stuff like that so we do get a little bit but this is the first time we'd get this and i like that you know like you know mccoy's messing with him mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and he's like i'm gonna put that in my report because anytime you can bluff me mister like it's it's like they're friends but they're also human yeah. beings and they're not like there's there's this there's stress and then you know, and then and that's where he gets the idea, of course, that that poker is better than chess. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, like this concept. Yeah. So so they um, I definitely got the idea at like after the reveal at the end of the episode that Bullock always intended for that thing to get blown up. Like I think when he sent that sure. thing at them, he was sure. like, "Yeah, they're gonna just have to destroy this. I'm gonna make it so that they absolutely have to destroy this thing, and then I'm gonna run over there and accuse them of being violent right. savages or whatever." Right. <laughs> and then. You know, threaten to kill them and see what they do. Scotty's got um, that funny line because, like, if they the, the the cube is like doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And Scotty's like, and that's my report. Yeah. And he's but, like, <laughs> I don't know what makes it run. I don't know, like, you know, like butterflies or I don't know what makes it run. But like, because if somebody like, there's a thing online where it's like basically it's it's about the size of like a football field squared. It's about 100 meters long, and it you know, and it's made of nothing and it weighs nothing. Mm -hmm. Like it's, but it has power and it's giving up. Like it was like someone, you know, like I love the, the, the every once in a while you get the mathematical things that people like analyze these episodes. And I read something and it was like, it doesn't make any sense, which is kind of cool, you yeah. know. Like, <clears throat> according to later lore, it might have been a hologram. Could have been like, a hologram, yeah. Just remotely projecting the radiation onto them or yeah, something like, it's like that. It's pretty, it's pretty, um, yeah, I, I do. I, I like I dislike a lot of this. I like that, you know, everybody gets a you know, like Kirk kind of realizes he's got to give this guy a second chance and he's got to take a look at him. And and, you know, I don't know. I just think overall it's it's an episode I really yeah. kind of like the endings kind of, you know, the, the ending's kind of funny. Yeah. You know, they just kind of leave Bailey there. Yeah, they're like, yeah, Bailey. I'm assuming he got off the ship. He might still be there in the future. I don't know. Like he's been there. Yeah, I, I assume they just like, you know. Just traveled the galaxy together for a little while. At a, yeah. Like, I, I think in later episodes of Star Trek, like in Deep Space Nine, they mentioned the First Federation as like oh, a, some kind of a trading partner with the uh, with the Federation. I guess I never noticed that one because I was wondering, what the hell happened to the First Federation? Yeah. They, and their giant light bulb ships. Yeah, they seem so. like they would have been useful during the I have the a real si War. quick side story. So when my son was, like Zachary, you guys might know my son Zach, I think he was like in third grade. And I did an episode, I did a video where I mixed Corbinite Maneuver with the Death Star. Like the <laughs> Enterprise versus the Death Star. <laughs> and the shot that I have is like, you know, something's coming at us and then I just like had the Death Star, you know, come in over the yellow thing. So I have this great shot of the Enterprise coming in. And then I have like Luke Skywalker firing phasers at... Um, at the Enterprise, and then I found a shot of Kirk laughing, and then he's like fire phasers, and and, and then we see an X-wing blow up, and my son didn't talk to me for three days because <laughs> I, that guy blew up Luke Skywalker. Because so what I'm <laughs> hearing is Rich invented YouTube poops, basically. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know 
where I I don't know I, we had YouTube I think I don't know if it ever ended up on YouTube I think I just showed it like some like on yeah. on the morning show at Niagara Falls High School I think that's when the place it went so he, he invented the fan edit yeah <laughs> well other people were doing fan edits by then yeah. so I wasn't that far ahead I wasn't like that big of a beat. I just I thought it was but I always kind of rem- I love the concept of the Enterprise pulling up against the size of the Death Star with yeah. the this the first Federation I, ship so. I, I like the idea of the Death Star just like coming at them as fast as the Federation. I still don't understand how the, the Death Star like moves, but that's a whole other thing. I guess we could ask the, the, the same brakes. question of the, yeah. the same question was how does the First Federation light bulb ship move? Um, magic. Magic. <laughs> well, mm, magic. So, um, but, um, so Bullock shows up and he's just like, he just goes like, you destroyed my warning beacon. And first of all, I just love the, like, with the context of the reveal, I just love the way Bullock talks, right. like, for the most part, because, like, he's very much just like, you have committed great Three crimes. Three Earth minutes left. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I really wish I had looked up who Crimes the against, was it, it, I did look it up, and he's like a guy that did voice act, acting for everything. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like he reminds me of like somebody you would hear in one of the old Disney cartoons, like, you know, like that kind of voice actor, like, you know, like, I don't know, like the creepy Halloween dancing skeleton thing or something. It reminds me of that for some odd reason. But. He sounds like, um, Andre the Giant's character in Princess Bride. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the voices of Alec, it's right on the tape, was provided by Vic. Purin, the control voice of the TV's Outer Limits, the voice of Balak puppet was surprised by... The, the puppet was Ted K. Oh, yeah. The, Vic Perrin is the guy who's the baby Bollock voice. And the voice of Ted Cassidy is Lurch. So, yeah, Ted Cassidy's also Rock. Mm-hmm. So it is like, you know, it's the that is why it's got that same, you know. It's the guy who's like, same guy. the old ones. Yes, that's the equation. Also, the old ones. <laughs> but that guy did a lot of voice yeah. acting, like, in those types of things whenever they needed a deep voice. And if Star Wars would have come out a little bit later, he probably would have been the voice of Darth Vader. <laughs> oh, that would have been cool, wouldn't it? Lurch, the voice of Darth Vader? Luke, I am your father. <laughs> you rang. <laughs> so. Oh, my. Anything else you got on oh, this I episode? I see you have oh, constructed like you a like new guys, lightsaber. You didn't like but. this episode as much, did you? No, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I just don't, like, a lot of this stuff confuses the shit out of me. Okay. Like, things like, how does that move? Or you said, like, that, like, when you said earlier, oh, well, the thing has no weight or mass. But that's not how science works. Well, that's how Science that has work. not been discovered yet. Yes, but, uh, well, yeah, the future. That's how Star Trek always explains things yeah. like, well, it's just unknown. We don't know how it works yet. Cause we just, haven't, just because we haven't, we don't know how to do something doesn't mean it can't be done. I think it's, I, I like the. A quick aside about that, by the way. I, I like the idea here that, that he's, and I know I sound like an idiot trying to talk about this because the words aren't making sense, but like. Just the idea that this alien creature is testing them on purpose I, is mm-hmm. like, yeah, I like that. And that's all I have to say. Yeah, yeah, and these guys <laughs> just go off exploring on his own. Like, it's I think this is like interesting. Some in, in, yeah, and in the First Federation culture, I think this guy's just like a super rich dude that has just a ship and he just flies around and he does whatever the fuck he wants. Like, it's kind of like what, how I in, always envision this guy. Mm. That he's an explorer. He's just got his own little, like, stuff and he kind of kind of patrols outside and he comes across i mean i don't know what happens when he meets a klingon you know or something like he's that. a well, space he probably, bully probably kills a klingon yeah. <laughs> like, well actually the tos klingons are a little bit different culturally yeah. than the ones in you said um, you had an aside oh like yeah like like we we were talking about um in an earlier episode we were talking about i think it was actually last episode during the menagerie they they beam power down to right. the guns I was curious about that to see where he got that idea from. That's a real thing. That was a real thing even in um, Gene Roddenberry's time before he wrote Star Trek. Like they, if you like, if you um, send a condensed beam of microwave at something, 
You can power it. You can power it. They, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like, and it, I guess people probably figured that that's what it was going to be like. I always looked at it, it was just like the Bluetooth. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's like a Bluetooth. Like, but no, I never realized that that was a thing. It's kind of funny that there's a fair amount of stuff, and it wasn't Roddenberry. It was a lot of the people behind the scenes that, um, over the years, not just in this series, but another series that kind of men- that kind of had done enough research about like future tech and you know, like warp speed, that type of stuff. How can a ship get to another planet? And they kind of, the concept of warp drive was kind of theoretical and it really mm-hmm. was, and obviously it's still theoretical, but like they did try to read up on, yeah. you know, like they knew, you know, they, they knew the theory of relativity and they, even in the 60s, you knew that if you go that close to the speed of light and you leave Earth that time is passing at a different rate. So they had to figure up, so that's why they do talk about, you know, the warp and the that's why by next generation they're talking about the warp field and that way, you know, like it's kind of mm. it's kind of in a bubble, the warp bubble, like all that stuff so that ship can go and how they address the fact that people don't age when you travel. Yeah. Like I like that they, they kind of found a way into the sci fi to make it work. Yeah, I think um, I read a quote from Gene Roddenberry that was always meant to be like hard sci-fi, right. as in there had to be a basis for everything. Right. Um, like you know, for for example, transporter beams. Like, it's it's based on the fact that theoretically, matter and energy should be able to become each other. Right. Um, which is where it com- where they they get their transporter technology from. Yeah. Um, it's but cool. the um. Back to the episode, though. Um, what I think, I think I liked Bailey as a character in this episode because he's very much reacting in the way like, like Us you, would. yeah, like a human being would. Right. Like right. obviously, you know, even on like real naval ships, that's that's kind of rare. Like they're trained for that, but it does right. happen, and I sure. appreciate that they like kind of acknowledge it yeah, and i know? don't know who wrote this episode offhand but i'm sure that like you know they they like the concept of and that's why you the military trains the way they do because they don't want people just losing their marbles and you know kind of not you know like that you fall back on your training and all that type of stuff but you know and then you then you just deal with ptsd later mm-hmm. you know like but just kind of get through it and <laughs> you know like but yeah i like the bailey aspect i like the bailey character yeah, that's um, you know, and we obviously don't see him again, which is fine. Like that, you don't well, have to see him again. You know, well, yeah, he, he's on the he's ship. He's still there. <laughs> he's still there. He's, he's now president of the First Federation. He's just yes. taking over the whole thing. So, yes. all right, you ready to move on? Yeah, I guess so. so. Wait, that was a puppet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got. I, I have. I love that it was always the last shot. Yeah. on Star Trek. In the closing credits, there's always like the shot of him, and it says Desilu Productions yeah. on it. It's really funny. And I didn't realize a funny side note that I read when I was reading about um, Consciousness of the King is that they had that the sets get moved. I never realized that. I thought once they built the sets, that's where they were. But they were built in a temporary location. And then they were all moved from from Desilu Studios, I believe, to Paramount Studios. And that's where they were for the rest of the show's run. I didn't never th- I never thought about that. I just assumed that there was just a, you know there was a soundstage where they built all the sets and then they were there until they weren't used. And I guess that's why there were some changes made um, over the years and and um, um, more sets were built because they didn't even have an engineering set yet. So they built the engineering set. I believe for this episode, um, conscious of the king that we're getting into now. Yeah. Apparently, uh, real quick. Apparently, this image with uh, one of the producers' names over it because. Uh, apparently it was deliberate like in that like this guy appeared right as the um the credits for one of the producers appears right that producer had had this that image with his name just framed in his office oh that's pretty funny that's great (laughs) i think that's awesome all right so now we're doing conscious of the king i am tired tired (laughs) the blood um so this is the box art yes this very interesting choice for box art. Um, yeah, it's just it's random. Um, the most random um, thumbnail from the episode that they could find. Yeah, a, a picture of Kirk comparing the yeah, the two men. The, look at a monitor. Okay. After Kirk beams up actor Anton Caridian. 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 It's Caridian. Uh, deadly it's accidents French. occur aboard the <laughs> starship. Could Caridian be Kodos, the executioner? Well. Um, 
I think as we're going, these uh, descriptions are getting a little They're getting bit worse. Yeah. <laughs> who? Code? Who? What? Um. So let's see the the uh, the uh, little side notes here. Barbara Anderson went on to star with Raymond Burr in the hit TV series Ironside. Yep. I've never even heard of that series. Uh, it was the it was after he did Perry Mason. This was the next show. The concept of Ironside is he's the police chief, and he gets shot, and he's in a wheelchair. So it was the first show, and 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 um, about a character that was paralyzed from the waist out. So he's still the police chief, but he's in a wheelchair. And then this fact is fun. This episode marked the first appearance of the observation deck. Yes. Which was not seen again until Star Trek V. Yes. So that was 20 years later. The observation deck is one of those things that they reuse multiple times. In the next episode, we are not doing it today, Bounce of Terror, the bridge of the Romulan ship is the observation deck. So they had this random room with these slanted walls, and they just reuse that. They redress it for a lot of different things. Um yeah, I, this basically the up concept of this episode is that when Kirk was like a young ensign or something, and I don't think he's, I don't know where he is, but he's on this planet, and then there's like an ecological disaster, and um, like everybody's going to starve to death, so the, the governor of the community decides to separate the, the 4,000 colonists into two halves, and the two halves will be killed. Uh, one half will be killed so the other half can live, and he, he plays God and decides... And uh, so he kills, he murders half in a nice, quick way, supposedly. Yeah. Um, but families get separated and all that stuff. And um, and then, like, the rescue ships show up a lot quicker than expected. Um, but the, the, the concept is, and then the, this guy disappears. Supposedly his body gets, they find a burned body. So guy, he escapes. And then one of Kirk's friends, who, you know, is a fan of the Epro mask on the left side of his face, hmm. Um, sees this guy performing, this this actor performing. That's a Shakespearean actor, and he says, "I think this guy's Kodos." Yeah. And so he kind of gets Kirk in trouble to this extent because he like pretends that he's got like a like a uh, he found a way to to cure cancer or something. Like no, no, like a like something that will feed everybody in the entire universe with like one pea or something. So like the Kirk rushes there and it's like, oh no, I didn't really do that. I just faked. You, I had to get you here so that you would see that this guy's because because you were there with me. So that's kind of the premise of the episode. Also, I think that guy's appearance kind of like invalidates the idea that he did it quick because I'm not sure how he got so badly mangled that he's got to have this thing on the left side. Yeah, like they kind of they don't know why he got why he has. I don't know if that has anything to. I'm assuming I've always assumed that when I and that's a funny thing that I never realized. Like they don't explain why he's Phantom, you know, like he's Phantom of the Opera yeah. on the left side of his face. Like why, why, what happened to him? Like was was he was he? They tried to kill him. Was he one of the half that was supposed to die and then he didn't die, or what happened? I think that might have been the right side of his I face. I think it was this side because I kept shooting it from this this way. Remember, he's sitting there for a while oh, and he's like, he's <laughs> he's code yeah. the execute, and then oh my god, he has a th he's like they shot him like this yeah. for the first <laughs> like the whole scene when Kirk's watching the play with him, yeah. and then finally when he's in his house, uh, he turns and we see yeah. the black thing on the side of the face they, with they, his. Uh, they didn't really hide it very yeah. well before I do, that. Though. We you see, know, it's funny because it. we do see like wow, there's people that aren't in Starfleet yeah. like in this episode, which is kind of fun. Yeah, he's just some guy. He's a scientist. Um, Spock later says yeah. that he's like not, not uh, what what was it? Not uh, one to yeah, indulge just, yeah. flights of fancy or something right. like that. This is it's an interesting episode because it's kind of like again it, it's 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 kind of early in in the show, um, and I. And, and Spock, like, Kirk's kind of off a little bit by this because his friend got murdered, and, mm. and, and he's obviously upset about what he experienced, and he's really tight-lipped about it. Like, he doesn't explain to anybody else right away what's going on until Spock just kind of, and I love that Spock just kind of like. Yeah, Spock well, just works like, it out, Yeah, basically. Because like, Kirk's kind of rude to him. He's like, Spock, Mr. Spock, like, like, I don't, if I wanted your advice on this, like, and then he does the whole thing where he, um, Carry out my orders. Yeah, like carry out my orders. But he does the, the – so it's weird because he meets the girl, mm -hmm. you know, 
Who's you know, perfect casting for that, by the way. She looks crazy the second she, you see yeah, her. Yeah, she's, like, she's got some wild eyes, yeah, man. She, she's one of those theater like, chicks. You don't want to date those theater chicks. Like they're, she's just they're a, nuts. You know, just, I, so. like, she's just has Julie would know eye. about that. You don't want to date those theater chicks, right? Because they're, <laughs> you know, they're, they've got to watch out for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, the, just the fact that... I know eyes, to use this, Captain! Her like, eyes were always just like yeah. wide open. Like he, it's funny because like he, you know, he's trying to like because obviously he. I forget exactly why Kirk realized he should go back down to the planet. Um, he well, I. Th- oh, because uh, yeah, he does she, his research, yeah. and Caridian only starts to exist basically because he's remember he's in the briefing room by himself and he's doing his own research yeah. on the thing, and then he brings up the two screens or he brings up the two views, yeah. and he's like. I, th- I think the death of his friend was wh- what brought him to. No, he decides to go to the party, yeah. and he meets the girl at the party, and he goes to take her. You know, take her for a walk. Let's leave, maybe you and me. Let's yeah. go. And then they and, find his body. And then there. they find his body. And then he's like, "Well, this is now suspicious. he's obsessed." Yeah. And then he looks, and he's just like, "Um, what? I, I like, I like the investigation too." When did this guy appear? There aren't any records on him. Right. Oh, oh when when did he start being a, a and, thing? And they didn't have DNA yeah. yet because yeah. no one did a DNA test. Apparently, well, maybe it's possible maybe they had no DNA profile for the guy, which I find hard to believe. Like, they never gave blood, or they don't have that in the future where they make just take your DNA when you're born or something like that. You assume, like, but we didn't even have or that. Or at least yet, record so. keeping. Yeah. I. I don't. I'm sure there's like digital, <laughs> all yeah. kinds of stuff we have now, facial recognition software. So we got to yada yada the fact that it's yeah. a 1960s mystery. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if they even knew. About, they probably did, but maybe they didn't know about DNA at that point. <laughs> like, what you know? What's funny about it though is because there is an under the fact that he's a theatrical performer and he's doing live theater versus like movies or technology or something like that. Um, and that a lot of this is there. There is this underlying plot theme that Kirk has to figure it out, and it can't just be based on technology. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of the yeah. underscore that that you know, like technology is taking away the humanity, and that's kind of why, again, why they're doing this program of traveling from planet to planet to planet to do live theater because you know instead of just watching going in the holodeck or mm-hmm. whatever, however they watch movies in this time, you know, whatever, however they they're entertained. So I do like, and they're trying to keep like you know this this theater of form of you know we almost have that now with trying to keep Shakespeare as you know viable in our nowadays technology. Um, so I do like that that aspect of it. I think that's kind of cool, and I like that Kirk calls up you know the captain of the other ship, and he's yeah, like, "Hey man, I need a favor." Sure, Jim, you owe everybody in the universe owes Kirk a dozen favors. Apparently, <laughs> he saved everybody's life, and he says like, hey, "Don't don't make the pickup. I'll I'll take care of it because." And that's uh, the guy who does the voices. I looked it up. Is the guy who was the star of another crossover with uh, the Adams family. He's the guy who plays like Mr. Adams on Mr. on the Adams family. It's the same actor. So I think there must have been like some like relationship. <laughs> some of the producers yeah. or casting agents must overlap between those two shows. Yeah, I, I think you might have like alluded to it, but like this episode was it, it was just Shakespeare. Like the entirety of the episode yeah. was mostly Shakespeare. Shakespeare is a huge running theme in Star Trek. If you think of Star Trek Six, you know, like there's a lot. There's a lot of storylines within um, Star Trek that are very inspired by Shakespeare. Um, You know, there's even one with witches, and there's all kinds of stuff like that. So, I mean, Star Trek has always been heavily influenced by Shakespearean stories, and there's there's even a course. There was a, I forget where it was, but I remember when I was younger, there was like a college course that some teacher professor taught somewhere and it was like the writing of star trek and 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 its relationship to shakespeare and other great you know you know other great artists like how star wars star trek is very inspired by other works of art so to speak yeah and you actually see it more like very directly sometimes it's like in uh the next generation um why can't i sir why can't i remember sir patrick stewart yeah sir patrick stewart He's he's just playing a Shakespeare character, yeah. like on the holotech, but it's not actually Picard right. in costume because Picard shows up. He's just like right. I think Patrick Stewart just wanted to play that character at that right. particular time. Well, I mean, it, there's a lot. Of, the one thing that Star Trek casting um, really liked to do is they liked to cast 
theatrical actors that weren't mm -hmm. just film actors, especially in the time period of Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Mm -hmm. Like, think of Patrick Stewart and Avery Brooks, who plays oh. Captain Cisco. Like, these are not these are not regular film actors. These are guys. These are these are theater guys, and I think why you get that overacting, you know, kind of aspect of Avery Brooks and even Picard with that, you know, that mm -hmm. stiff upper lip. It, it is very much analogous in my mind to the way Captain William Shatner acts, mm -hmm. like where you want this like emotional character. And I know Picard's not super emotional in the beginning, but he comes a little bit more, you know, like again, but I, a lot of, if you look at the backgrounds of a lot of the Star Trek actors over the years, there's a, they, they're very much about trying to find actors that are, I don't know about anymore, but back then it was very much about finding actors that have like a live theater. They wanted that type of actor. Yeah, the you know these actors in this episode were definitely all theater actors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's pretty funny. Like very theatrical performances. Um, you know, and it's like the, the, when he's like, there's so much just Shakespeare bleeding. Even the writing is very, even when they're just talking, mm -hmm. it's very like the scene with Kirk and you know and the girl up on the observation deck is right out of like a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. Like Caesar to the stars. There's so many analogies to all these yeah. other Shakespearean <laughs> things and his power and he's so much like the analogy. That's how Shakespeare wrote. Like so, the, it's 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 about Shakespeare, but it's like it's built into the DNA of the script, so to speak. And um, you know the murder and 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 to be honest, like I remember watching this episode for the first time or some reason. But I always thought that Codus was the guy that was murdering all the people. Like when oh, yeah. it turns out that it's you know spoilers, but it turns out <laughs> yeah. when it was the girl, I'm like, oh, wow, she did it. She even she didn't. I just assumed she didn't realize. I never caught on that um, um, that she knew who her father was and that she was the one who probably arranged the the tour to go to all these places so she she really like what's it called like on in a show where they like plan the murder mastermind no but like but they like legally it's like it's preempt not it's like what's the difference between manslaughter and murder is that like i watch a lot of premeditate premeditate like she planned this shit she's like she's like we're gonna tour and we're gonna go these nine places so we can murder everybody like i don't know how she was planning to get to kirk and 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 uh and um, Kevin O'Reilly, uh, yeah, how yeah. we she was going to get to them. Um, yeah, she even mentions that she's the one who who's who's uh, in control of the schedule. Like right. she's talking about the schedule to Kirk, and she's yeah, like, she we planned got these. this so she could go to the nine planets so she could kill everybody. Mm -hmm. I love that she tries to kill Bailey, not Bailey, uh, Kevin Thomas O'Reilly with yeah. Windex. Yeah, yeah, she's got a little spray ball. <laughs> like that's it's like <laughs> the prop guy's like, how are we gonna poison? And it was a fluid. They do explain that it's like a fluid that it's a milky substance mm -hmm. that they just squirted into the milk. Yeah, so. <laughs> I like that he's drinking milk too. It's, yeah, it's it, nice. Hey, it builds, builds you know, strong bones, yeah. right? Right. Does a body yeah. good, right? Does also, it's good. a yeah. Also and Hara singing, man. Let's can we not miss the fact we get. Michelle Nichols singing. Oh, yeah. yeah Beyond this is Antares? Come on. That's the Beyond They use it. I think she sings it again in another episode. This but, is um, the second time we hear her sing, I believe. And the Vulcan harp. We get the Vulcan yeah. harp for the first time. I don't know if it's identified as the Vulcan harp yet. I think it's just a harp. Yeah. She's a good singer, certainly. I, I do like that there's a lot of, like, you know, that he gets promoted. Like, he gets demoted and, like, Spock's like, why'd you demote him? Like, he just came up from from there. He's like, well, he's going back down, and yeah. he's like, he doesn't tell them right away. And then I like that he's like stuck on the night shift, and he calls his friends in the observation yeah. deck. He's like, or the break room. He's like, hey, is anybody? Because those people are all just off duty, just fucking around. And he's like, I'm alone down here, like, and I don't want to eat the sponge looking weird food, whatever yeah. the fuck that stuff is. Um, it kind of looked like peppers. You I don't know, know like what the heck. I think it was just probably. Fold. chunks of clay <laughs> it's like play-doh because you can't probably right you know about this stuff like you can't have the food under the lights probably right is that why they don't have a lot of food on set no you can use real food i think back um, then they just because the lights were so hot the food would get go bad or something no i i don't like, think that's the case i mean when it comes to stuff when it when it comes to things like that like you can have real food it's just you do, like normally what they do is they'll have multiples of the same thing is it continuity thing? and so I mean, sometimes, but if you shoot it properly, you don't have to worry about it. Right. So, like, with, with, like, if you're doing a plate of, like, actual dinner. Right. Okay, and you're, like, they're eating chicken or something like that. You're probably going to have, like, 
20-ish pieces of chicken, just depending on how long you're going to do it. But with something like that, you know what those look like to me? They um, they definitely look fake. They, I mean, obviously... You shouldn't eat it, whatever it was. Yes, they look fake, but I, I have always been interested in what they were. They look like... Um, they look like sponges, to be honest. They it Well, I, that's what I was going to say. I wonder if it's sponge candy that's color-coded chocolate. Hmm. Could be. And that would be and interesting because... And it gets reused, because, too. Like, because anytime when they, when they bite of, into it, yeah. it, it almost has the texture of, like, a styrofoam or sponge candy. Like but it, I don't think we very... ever see anybody eat that crap. And I feel like it's the same Kirk prop that all gets the time. used. In the blue shit? Like, yeah, the little the little blue, orange, and green, to go back and like, cubes. That, you, you know, you're, that's what you're talking about. Right. The blue, orange, and green cubes, yeah. right? Like, he literally, he takes a bite out of it, and it's and, and the sound, it, like, snaps like, oh. a, like a sponge candy. So I wonder if that might be what it is. But we should do an episode where we try to make we'll that. Make sponge candy. <laughs> we try to re we try to remake the Star Trek foods. Well, it's when we, we you know it's funny because in this episode we get back we yeah, get McCoy just sitting around drinking, sit, sitting in the office drinking after hours like you know yeah. hey same bottle I was like hey I didn't I guess I forgot that that bottle made another yeah. appearance so I figured it better make another appearance I don't have anything in it. This also time. he during that scene he says something pretty interesting. Uh, so he's like, yeah, you, you want to, you want to drink Spock and Spock's just like, ah, that doesn't work on Vulcans. And he's, and McCoy's just like, uh, that's probably why you got conquered. It's like, oh boy. Burn. <laughs> but I don't think they did. It, yeah. That's, that's well, what I'm like. He's a doctor. Yeah. Like what? What am I, a doctor or a historian? A, a lord, a story, you know, whatever guy, you know, I'm a doctor, not yeah. an historian. Oh, yeah, um, I, I like the. The implication that the Federation conquered Vulcan yeah, at some point. I don't point. think that that's really that's not canon. Um, <laughs> I do like that that um, we get like Spock goes to McCoy. McCoy just like, hey, you're just you're off your rocker. That's Jim Kirk, man. And he's like, no, there's something going on. And then finally, like they approach him, and um, yeah, and then and then Kirk kind of gets it, and and you know, like, and then he starts to kind of work with his colleagues a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, Spock just kind of pieces everything together, and he's yeah. like, "You think this is Codus?" And he's, and Kirk's like, "No." And then Spock's it's like, like "This is none of your do. business." He's like, "It is my business because I'm the, you know, I'm the number one of this ship, and like, it's the ship's business. Like, you have to, like, you, you know, you and and if you and if you get murdered by these people, because yeah. that's Kodos. And he's like, "Well, I need more than just your logical assumption." Um, you know, they do have voice print implications. Yeah. they do have that. Yeah, that's uh, something that kind of comes back around to modern technology yeah. a little bit. Like we, we and that wasn't something they would have had in the nineteen sixties, no. <laughs> obviously, where they would be able to voice print identify, which we do have now. We actually do have that technology. It's and again, it wasn't. It was close, and there's a little print out there that they compare the printouts, and he says it's close, but it's not an exact match. I need the again the humanity of it, um, and that comes up when Kirk does has the court martial episode coming up. That this humanity matters, not just technology. That we don't want to lose again. That was a big concern in the '60s. This is a big concern now with AI yeah. that we're going to lose, you know, ourselves as a culture because of technology. I mean, that's what the strike and writer strike was about, partially. So, I mean, I do like I do like that um, that this was an issue, and they find a way to make contemporary issues of the time, uh, and it still kind of works. Although we get this overacted scene with the, you know, the. Inside you and your ship and your power, I <laughs> like. I shall enunciate <laughs> over everything. Yeah, Codus kind of tells on himself a little yeah. bit when he's with Kirk because he just kind of he grabs the. He paper doesn't admit it, but like, he does. He's like, hmm, yeah. I I know all of this by heart now. Yeah, <laughs> I just learned my parts quickly. Yeah, and then he's like, you know, if if the ships have not had been didn't get there so damn quick, this Codus of yours might have been a hero. He's, but he's not. I doubt, by the way. I, I don't, don't think anybody think so. would have ever been okay I don't think with so. that. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, but um, I, I guess in a universe this big, though, I do believe that in a universe that big. You could disappear. You could go to another planet mm-hmm. and just pretend to be a guy and get somebody to make fake IDs and everything for you. And I, that you could do that. That, right. that is that's. It's not like every planet is completely colonized by the Federation, and it's you know it's not like the Empire. Like we were watching it in Rebels. No, uh, in Bad Batch, Bad Batch where they have to turn in all their old currency to get new currency, and they have to get their whatever it was at the ship. 
mm-hmm. it was the stupid oh. thing that we were watching in Bad Imperial Batch. Friendships. Yeah, where they have well, it was more than that. Like you had to get your your I, your imperial identification or whatever it was. Like mm-hmm. so you you like because they're trying to get everybody into the system, so to speak. And um, it, it's possible that guy could go off grid. Oh yeah. Def- so you know. well, definitely. Real quick, want to want to touch on this because and this has nothing to do with Star Trek, but like just the severity of how easy it is to disappear. There's a documentary on Netflix called The Devil Next Door, which I think is a really good. It's about this guy, and he moves to the to the United States, starts his whole life, is like the nicest guy in the world, literally the nicest human being in the world, and somehow a photo of him gets sent to like the government or something like that i can't remember all the details there's a photo of him or what looks like him in this book of like like old nazi war criminals and they they slipped a photo of this guy and a whole bunch of people believed that he was ivan the terrible and then it started this whole thing and all this big thing, and the whole documentary is about trying to prove that he was Ivan the Terrible. And it found, came out that he wasn't, but it did come out that he was a Nazi death camp guard at a oh, wow. different That's crazy. place. That's crazy. And it's like, but he went as off the grid for like 50 years. That is nuts that that well, In was some like a ways, thing. like, I mean, think about like. But that's how easy yeah. it is to slip off the grid. I mean, he lived his entire life. He was in his like 80s or 90s when they went after him and finally arrested him for it. Well, I mean, look, even with the amount of technology we have now, look how easy it is to do to do identity theft. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at, you know, like just the fact that you can you can go on a website and order a fake ID from China or wherever they come like the, every teenager uses. So everybody like I think you could fake it. I think you could definitely without a doubt. So even in the future, I'm sure that there's ways to circumvent technology. And, you know, and obviously he you know, we don't happen. We don't know to what happened to the mom. Maybe he murdered her, too. I don't know what happened to her. I think a very quick even with all the technology that they do have, I think that just going to a different planet automatically makes it significantly harder to be found. Sure. Oh, yeah. Period. Yeah, right. I mean, like, and that's why, like, he clearly didn't just go to Earth. Yeah. He went somewhere, and then he started figuring he had to work, so he's like, I'll become an actor or whatever. And he's like, because then he could just kind of be, you know, he was always on the move, right? If he's, like, always like a... You know, like a that type of thespian where they're just trash. I mean, like a lot of the stuff makes sense. Yeah, I mean, a lot yeah. of it makes kind of sense. I like the fact that when you're backstage, mm. like of, on on the on the on the where they're filming it, where they're showing. I like that there's even like <laughs> that they're showing it on the viewfinders yeah. that they they're live streaming it throughout the enterprise. I like that. That's pretty cool. But I like when you're behind set and they still make the flats yeah. the way they do now. <laughs> like it's like which I think. Yeah, I think they would. I think you would make the flats in kind of a tradition. If you're if you're doing like Shakespearean plays, you're not going to have some whatever the modern way they do sets for theater is in the future. They got like a canvas wooden flat. I mean, maybe they wouldn't use wood, but I like the fact like you can see like the construction of the cardboard, like the mm-hmm. of the you know the one by three with like a wooden pipe with triangle holding the corner together. Like I made those, um, you know, my theater days. Like I, I like that. There's that that I like that they go all in with this concept. <laughs> so McCoy does. I love the line that McCoy's like, uh, no doctor's ever been to the, a play on time. And he's messing with a collar that doesn't move. Like, what are you fixing? What are you fixing on the collar that's attached to your shirt? McCoy was in. He was drunk from drinking whatever yeah. the frick he was all during whiskey, whatever yeah. the heck he was drinking. He, he was in great form throughout this entire episode. And I say that sarcastically. Like, he's like. <laughs> He's just like we got uh, O'Reilly. What? What? O O'Malley? No, O'Reilly. 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 Kevin Thomas O'Reilly. Like, yeah. We we got him in the next room over. He's just like uh, medical log. Uh, Don't close the door or anything. Like, don't go to your office. (laughs) There's a guy on the ship who looks exactly like. Killed the guy in the other's rooms in with an earshot. Yeah. His parents killed his entire family, and O'Reilly's just like whoa. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, he knew that he killed him, but he didn't know that like Codus was on the ship, right? And then obviously. So, what'd you think of the uh, the scene after you know? So obviously, like, they Kirk goes down backstage, and then like, I love the shot where Codus is on set stage, so to speak, and he can hear Kirk and O'Reilly fighting backstage, and then he comes yeah. off and he's all upset. He's like, <laughs> "What's wrong, Captain? Your father." Don't worry, Father. I've killed everyone. 
And then I love that she runs right out on stage. I think that's great. And that the murder takes place on the viewfinder in front of everybody watching the live stream of the play. Um, well, I thought you were going to say. I, what I do you am, think of I'm, the acting there, though? I'm, like, you know. I'm, go ahead. I thought you were going to say. The, um, when he comes back, he's like, I hear the voices of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> they call to me. It's because he's hearing O'Reilly in the back. Yeah, right. I, I thought like, I killed him, you know, yeah. um, with Windex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she, uh, yeah, her, her, <laughs> <laughs> her coming out and just being like, Caesar, you, <laughs> you're, you're. See Caesar, come. See Caesar, come. And she's just, you know, she's I just know how to eyes. use this, Captain. <laughs> like, she does that weirdly weird robotic, like, thing. She's like, yeah. like, I know how to use this, Captain. I'm not that batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she, um, and obviously, uh, Akotis, who's apparently not okay with this. Um, no, he's not. He, maybe he's the not. guilt of the You years. are the one thing yeah. that was beyond good in my life, and you have ruined it. More blood on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because it I still like this episode as bad as this is. I like this episode because oh, it's just because I guess I just like it. I'm just yeah. I mean, except for Mary, I've loved everything yeah. we've watched. Yeah. I mean, like Mary's one of the episodes. Like, there's very little I like in that episode, um, but this one I I mean, there the music's cool and there's that really dramatically like that love song loves lovey music that they use in the background that they use in a couple other episodes i think a lot of this music gets reused that they wrote for this episode gets reused in um sit in the edge of forever um you know like that love music in the background and it's funny because kirk's kind of using her but he does like her Mm. um and he admits that because she's mad at him because when she says you know you didn't need to be that mean to my dad Mm -hmm. and um Mm -hmm. Before we realized that she's the one who murdered everybody. The play. The play. There's no time to sleep. I'm sure that's right out of something Shakespearean. I, most of those, that scene, most of everything she probably says is probably all like just, yeah, she's just wicked, you, know, you know, quotable. They cut out of a, another play. Yeah, she's just nuts. <clears throat> she's like, hasn't he suffered enough? And Kirk's like, no, no he, he hasn't at suffered all. at all. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's been, been on the run for the past 20 years. I, I do like the very last shot scene when they get back to the bridge and, you know, they're, you know, and McCoy gives her kind of the medical update. And I guess there were some scenes cut from this where that they just, you know, where she, she's like basically sedated. Yeah. And she's like doesn't remember anything or whatever she did, which is kind of a cop out. But um, but I do like when he's like, you really did like her, didn't you? And he doesn't answer. And then he's like, you know, warp out of orbit like they always do. And he's like, and he looks at him and he just gives him a look. And, and McCoy acknowledges, like, I got my answer. Yeah. But like that, you know, like ultimately this, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't going to give up. Like he, he, he had liked her and he's sorry that this all happened. Like he, like he, he has regret that this all happened, that, mm-hmm. that, that she was, that she ended up, her whole life ended up being, she could have been something. And then because she found out who her father is, it took her down like a path and, and she ended up becoming a murderer, you know, and, you know, and, and I, but he, he still, he did have feelings for her mm-hmm. and he's not this cold calculating guy that just manipulated her to get the, to the truth. Like, you know, I, I don't know. There's, there's that, there's things like that. And I liked that, that interaction where he, he's still the captain and he, but he, you know, there's some, there's some cool stuff in that, you know? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. We, we definitely see her psyche just <clears throat> completely shatter when she kills her father. Right. Because she's just like hunching over him, and without any like filter, she's just quoting Shakespeare at that right. point. <clears throat> um, this again, she's batshit yeah. crazy. Yeah, I, I would believe that she probably does the do, doesn't remember any of the like. I I think she's got a long time of uh, yeah of psychovals. We don't. Yeah, like she's like I don't. She's gonna go to like I just wonder if like when they go to when she, the Law and Order version of this episode where she's yeah. like. Or she does she plead insanity, or does she just oh, yeah. stay like? But again, but it was she's premeditated though. Yeah. So I think she's faking the insanity. I don't remember what I did, cause she planned this shit. Yeah. <laughs> like she got a grant. She wrote a grant to get right. She got to like that organization that sponsored like theater in space or whatever they yeah. called it. They reference it. Like she wrote a grant. She had a business plan. Like I'm sorry, how crazy is she? 
crazy mean, crazy as a fox that, that does seem like <laughs> n- minus the murder that, that does seem pretty rad just going from planet to planet putting on plays yeah that's, that's i would like that <laughs> like a minstrel yeah. like a like a little plinkety plink you know guitar thing like playing the minstrel you know? mm-hmm. yeah or just you know you're touring with uh, rent and you go to like buffalo to rochester to chicago so, Julian, what did you think of Star Trek's Shakespeare? It's a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, I do like this episode. I like the twist that it's not him, it's the daughter. Yeah. Which I was not expecting. Um, I also like, it was weird because it's pretty obvious that he is the guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From the get-go. But they sort of hammer it into your head so much that he is the guy that there was a moment where I was like, what if they're wrong and it's not him? Like, this poor guy. And then I was like, no, it's definitely that guy. You know what I mean? Like, you you know what I mean? Like, they push it so hard that, you know, it made – I wonder if that was intentional. I think it was intentional. Pushing it it so hard that you're like – Maybe it's not. Maybe maybe it's not him, and they're just really bad at judging this right now. And then obviously they're the heroes, so they have to be right. So it's like, okay, well, all right. But then um, I don't know. I think the acting is a bit much, but I kind of like the like that. I don't know. I think it's. I'm not one for over dramatics and like bad acting and all that sort of stuff. But I kind of like that a little bit in this because it's. Because of like the you setting. Get, but you also, you kind of see Kirk and he's just like, okay, <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's an interesting episode. I liked this episode a lot more than actually a lot of other, of the, of a lot of the other episodes. Surprisingly. Like, so there's a couple things. Like, I like when he goes to the party and he's just randomly at a party. You know, there's just like all these people there, you know, that we don't see because a lot of them, you just hear them off camera. And, um, you know, his wife and everything. And then she walks in and, you know, and he just starts chatting her up. And, you know, and he gives her his drink. And then they just kind of, like, he just kind of hits on her. And he's like, and it's kind of like a fun little interaction there. And I don't think at that point he's really planning to, like, do anything. He's just, like, you know, because Tom's not, his friend Tom's not dead yet. So I don't think he's suspecting anything. He's just trying to, he wants, he went there to see if he could meet the guy but the guy wasn't at the party. So, like, I don't think there's anything nefarious necessarily, like, yet. Once mm-hmm. he once Tom gets murdered, then it becomes nefarious that he's got to get them onto the ship, obviously. Um, so he can decide. Like, it's not, he's not going to leave it up to, like, to... But it's funny, because, like, McCoy's like, oh, are you going to carry his head through the halls? He's like, no, I'm going to turn him over to the authorities. Like, yeah. I don't like, I don't think it was Kirk's plan ever to just murder him. Like, his plan was to just take him and make him pay for it. Make him, make him, you know, report it. McCoy's like, what, you can't just murder him? He's like, I'm not going to murder him. I'm just going to turn him in. Like, I'm going to be like that movie you're talking about, like that show you're talking about. Like, yeah, you were a Nazi. I'm going to turn you over yeah. to the Hague. Like, I'm going to bring you to yeah, the Space right. Hague, wherever that is, you know. And you're going to stand in front of people and pay for your crimes. Because Kirk is about justice. He's yeah. not really about revenge. Yeah, Later on, and there's some episodes, but not this one. Yeah, he, he, he mentions that he would like to kill him, but he did, He just you know, def, he was yeah. pretty clear that he's he just wasn't going to do that Right. Um, throughout the entire episode. Yeah, Mc, I don't know how I liked... I don't know how much I liked McCoy's portrayal in this episode. I mean, I like his, his interactions with... Um, Spock, yeah. but like he seemed kind of irrational throughout. Yeah, the, it's not. The yeah, I, I, that's a funny observation you had there because I kind of thought about the same thing too. It seems like he's a little off in this episode. Like mm-hmm. it's not quite like just sitting around drinking doesn't seem to be like a thing we see in the future. Um, you know, I guess they were just trying to do a little bit of character exploration in the beginning of being relatively early still in the show. Some stuff is right on, and other stuff not so much. Um, you know. It, it, yeah, there's some stuff in this episode that you can tell it feels a little bit different. One, uh, this is the last appearance, um, maybe not chronologically, but this is the last episode where uh, Yeoman Ran participated. Because at this point, she was, I think, I don't know exactly. I mean, I know that she had some alcohol issues and she ended up getting fired. But um, this was the last episode she makes an appearance in terms of the order. She's in an episode coming up, but mm. again, they were 
put out in different orders. Um, and um, she only has that one scene where she comes off the turbo lift, uh, turbo lift and she runs into the other girl and she's kind of jealous. Yeah. And that's it. And then, um, and I, you know, felt bad for the actress. And obviously she had problems and, you know. Wasn't uncommon at that time. Yeah. Well, it's not uncommon now. Poor Matthew Perry, you know, RIP. So. Yep. Anything else you got? I think we covered the episode pretty so well. I'm gonna 104 all right I'm gonna post push this put this forward that before we're gonna be doing in our next episode what's next balance of terror and then what's after that uh, the, uh, according right to now. your list let me see definitely balance of terror balance of terror is next and I have something I want to ask our audience to do before we <clears throat> vamp um, Do you, well, I'll talk about it. So, Balance of Terror is the next episode, and it is the first time we see the Romulans, and it's kind of like one of those World War II movies, like with submarines. It's kind of very reminiscent yeah. of that, and it's and it, it's been well stated that. But the reason I want to mention Balance of Terror, and I really want, if you haven't watched uh, Strange New Worlds yet, you really got to watch the last episode of Season 1 of Strange New Worlds before we talk about Balance of Terror, because... You guys definitely have to watch it because I think, like, when we discuss this, we have to talk about its implications and the way it, it's related to um, Strange New Worlds because I feel that's very interesting and tie-in and the fact that the creators of the new show really get, like, um, the lore of the original series. So, Balance of Terror, and then what would you say? What's uh, Shore Leave. Shore Leave, another interesting, interesting episode. episode. And <laughs> then we are fully caught up with as far as I've gotten in the okay. original series. <laughs> Shore Leave's fun. Shore Leave's Shore. like the, I think the first kind of fun episode. Oh yeah, they have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a good fun episode. Um, yeah. Which obviously. Well, it do, it's not fun at first. It's, it's very, not fun at first, but <laughs> very I like. Harrowing the, I love that it's. I love that it's like kind of a. They go to Holodeck Planet, kind of. It's kind yeah. of like a cross between Ryza, uh, which is the pleasure planet of Star Trek, which I can't believe that they have, and uh, the Holodeck. It's kind of like a cross between the two. It's yeah. a, it's, it's space Disney World. Essentially, and except you can, you can. Well, I'm not going to spoil yeah, it. Yeah, it's huh. it's it, you can Westworld it too. Like yeah. it's a lot of Westworld. There's some Westworld vibes in that. And I'm wondering if like by that point, Michael Crichton had, had written Westworld, and the movie had come out, or if not, the book had been written because I feel like whoever wrote Shore Leave had read Westworld. Hmm. hmm. Maybe. I, I haven't read, read Westworld. Yeah. Like I've heard of the show, obviously. <clears throat> Michael Crichton, who wrote Westworld, also wrote um, uh, Jurassic Park. Oh. He's obsessed with amusement park. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> since there's two biggest things that people know him for are those two things. But, um, yeah, so that's definitely – that's what's next. Yeah, and so. uh, don't forget, you can submit feedback on the episodes with uh, Double Fist Punch Podcast at Yahoo.com. I still have – Still haven't received any, but, you know, if we like that. Keep building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, spread word. If you like Star Trek, please spread the word. Let people know mm. we're out here because we're having fun. This is yeah. just, this is a fun project for us. We're mm. not, you know, we're not, you know, we're just here to, yeah. we're here to talk the shit. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Bye. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye. Do the, okay. Hold on, wait, wait, do it again. <laughs> live long and fist punch. Let's live long and live fist punch. Live long and double punch. fist punch. Mm. Ah. <laughs>